And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast presented by our good friends at the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. There will be a watch party Friday night, 10-15 kickoff at the Holy Grail. They will have it on all the TVs. Get down there. Support those that support us. Watch the, the game. A little bit of a late one, but that's okay. Get yourself some uh, some cold beverages, some really good food, and cheer on the Bearcats as they take on the BYU Cougars. This Friday night, 10-15 is the kickoff time, and there will be a watch party at the Holy Grail. Uh, I don't think I'll be there this time, though. Probably have to stay home because we'll have content to do at 2.30 in the morning because uh, we'll get into it. But I don't think this is going to be a short game. <laughs> but there you go. Let's get this show on the road. Hi, Dave. What's up? Final volleyball game of the, the, the school season is in oh, the books. Man, what a year it was. Yeah, they didn't win much. Um, <laughs> but, you know. They, they had fun, although she sprained her thumb for the fourth time tonight. I don't know how much fun she had this year. She got hurt a lot. She had concussion, sprained her thumb a bunch of times, hip pointer. Uh, she's injury prone. That could be that she dives everywhere all the time uh, making plays and maybe should stay on her feet a little bit more. Go spend the offseason in the gym. Gonna have to spend the off season in the gym for sure. We're gonna have to spend the off season within the training room, getting then, there, getting then back the up gym. to speed. Then the gym. Yeah, we got we got a couple weeks before we can get in the gym. At this point, we've got wounds to heal. But yeah, so uh, there you go. Uh, a lot to get into tonight. Take a final look at Oklahoma. Uh, no BYU guest tonight. I guess uh, everybody's busy on Wednesday nights uh, in Provo. Yeah. It was a tough deal. Couldn't couldn't find anybody, but we got enough to talk about, I'm sure. We got enough to talk about. We got a basketball schedule to talk about. We got some uh, recruiting odds and ends to get to, football and basketball. Um, we got a lot. We got a lot to uh, to discuss this evening. So I'm going to have uh, quite a Friday night, Saturday morning. Why is that? We have the game, right? Yes, 10 15. Well- well, that's going to go till about what two thirty? You think? I, I think it's going to be two? three plus, like like three plus. Yeah, by two o'clock, I think we'll be we'll hopefully be wrapping up. So hopefully, at one thirty-five Saturday morning, the Ryder Cup starts. Oh God! So you're not sleeping? Probably not. <laughs> I know how you are about the Ryder Cup. Like, where's it at? Australia? Uh, Rome. It's actually at my family's country club, Marco Simone. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't. No one. I'm surprised one, you're not going. Few people. Well, I got the invite, obviously, but it just didn't work out. That's unfortunate. I mean, yeah. I, you know, Royal Royal Golf Link. They don't do Rome. They just do Scotland. Uh, no, I. Hayden, they're going. Oh, really? Yeah. As far as I know, they'll be there. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised you're not heading with them. I know. I know. Somebody's got to watch this game and you know recap it and be ready Sunday morning for a for a pod. Uh, no, but it'll yeah. be a it'll be a long couple days, so I'm look, I'm looking forward to it all. What time do you think you'll go to bed Saturday morning? 
Well, I'll probably obviously I'm gonna you watch gonna these. Nap it out for the, like the, the early sessions. Yeah, pro I'll probably obviously gonna watch the UC game in full, and then yeah, start watching the golf, uh, and basically until I like fall asleep as I'm watching the golf, and then I'll probably wake up when Will wakes up and turn it back on because it's two sessions, so it's the second right. session starts at like six thirty Saturday morning, so then I'll get another you know, whatever, four or five hours of it. But then it'll be done by, like, noon, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. On Friday and Saturday, yeah. Grail for the game. Uh, Chelsea, if you would listen to the beginning of the show, you would know that there, there there is a watch party. Uh, I'll be home with Kels. She has vetoed uh, being at the Grail until 2 a.m. So uh, if you'd like to go, you are more than welcome. Uh, I just will not be there this week. Plus, it's already going to be late enough to start the the after show. Um, I don't need to add driving home from downtown half half an hour on top of that. What's up, Mr. Beers? Um, but yeah, so uh, it's going to be a busy morning for for Dave. Let's get to our uh, our game recap. Putting a bow on Oklahoma. That is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. They are a premium collegiate apparel band, brand based in Indianapolis. They have a commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Kind of like this. My Bearcats baseball 1954 t-shirt. Uh, it is super comfortable. And I've got I've got pretty much everything you can get. I've got the, both hoodies, the crewnecks, the quarter zip, the joggers, t-shirts. Uh, so get the home field, place your order, use the code BCJ23, and you will save fifteen percent. Uh, all right, David, it's we've had enough time to decompress now. From the Oklahoma game, not the instant reaction that, that you get on, not instant, but close enough on on Sunday mornings. Uh, any loose ends that you want to tie up after hearing the Satterfield press conference and kind of digesting everything for a couple of days? I mean, it's, con it's not really much different than what we said Sunday morning, what I'm sure you guys said Monday night. Like, it's kind of all right in front of you, really, when you look at it, you know. Inefficiencies in the red zone, inefficiencies on third down, inability to hit on the big plays, whether it's schemed up correctly or whether it's, you know, he talked about in his press conference, he, they had, a, you know, a couple shots, but, you know, just the line didn't hold up long enough and it all works. It all works hand in hand. I don't think there's a ton like that really needs to be dug into deeper you know like everything offensively has to be better you know quarterback play fewer turnovers fewer sacks um you know running the ball they gotta run the ball better they gotta pass protect better they gotta run i mean it's kind of it's all right there i think you know i imagine the hope is that you look at it and you're like we're close if we can clean up you know one or two things then we can be productive because when you look at the numbers and I'm, I was just looking at it just from a big 12 standpoint, like for this game in particular, 
just using total offense as an example, they're averaging 160 more yards a game than BYU. Yeah. Like they're fourth in the conference, I think, in total offense. Uh, That's the thing. It's objectively, the offense has not been bad. It's been high leverage. It, it's just been the high leverage stuff where they're not as crisp as they are, you know, the other times. Like, yeah, and it's, it's still hard, you know, it's still hard to do raw data numbers because it's only four games and, you know, UC played a really good Oklahoma team. Other teams, you know, played the bottom of the conference. Other teams have played, you know, a hard power five team, B, you know, BYU's played Arkansas, but then they've also played Sam Houston state in their first ever FBS game and then an FCS right. opponent. So that's for all intents and purposes, they played two FCS teams. Yes. And, you know, but when you look at the numbers, Dave, it, it tells you that this is not dire. This is not a terrible offense. It is an offense that's not executing in the critical moments, but it's an offense that can move the ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to go the glass half full route, like I would say, you know, I'd much rather it be like this than just be watching and going like, these dudes can't get open, or these guys can't block, right. block a soul, or this quarterback has no clue what he's doing, stuff like that. I guess it doesn't matter. You know, because it's six and one half dozen in the other. Either way, you slice I think it. Does matter though. Well, I know, but you you look at it hoping that those things come around. But yeah. in the in the just nuts and bolts of it, like you know, you're dropping at least one game for sure. You know, I'm. You know, who knows how the Oklahoma game goes if things are a little bit different? What do they do? You know, but you look at it and you go. Man, if we can just be average in those areas, right? Like just be very baseline average in and third right down. Third, third down, down, I think, is propped up by they weren't bad against Miami actually on third down. They were bad in the red zone. Um, I mean, they're in the top half of the league on third down. It's it's the red zone situation. It's yeah, you know, you're not that's what team. kept them in the game against Oklahoma was the right. defense. Exactly. So um but no, from an offensive standpoint, like we know what we know if we know they know, but are you capable of fixing that? Right. Can can protection hold up in those key situations when the when the deep when the field shortens and you know, or on third third and long well, that's the other thing that you know. The, the the third and long stuff, which is it's so, it, Saturday talked about this a little Tuesday. Like that's the frustrating part is they'll be moving the ball down the field and then all of a sudden something will be, you know a, a two yard loss on first down and all of a sudden it like the whole thing just unravels. Right. I mean, it's like it, it's it, it, it's like like we talked about it and then somebody you know made the the point we talked about it. Uh, I think on Monday, like the check engine light is on and each time it might be something different. Like one time it might be the, the offensive line. And one time it might be, you know, uh, Emory not getting to the backside of his read to see a guy standing like this with nobody around him in the end zone. And then one time it might be a, a drop or like, you know, like there's, there's too much talent for this to continue in terms of just, 
like going completely cold out of nowhere because they're getting the job done, picking up yards. But then at that first, and I don't know, maybe it is 10 starters. Like maybe that is where this is rearing its ugly head because we're seeing different things pop up where it's, and what I mean by the check engine light is it's not a well-oiled machine. And, and maybe that's where that comes in, having that many new guys. When you get into those high leverage situations, it's even more important that everybody is executing every aspect of their specific job. And if there's even a little bit off, the, the operation falls apart. And that's kind of what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the last two weeks. They just offensively, they don't have a ton of margin for error. Um, yeah. You know, and then when you're going to be as bad as they were in the red zone on against Miami and as bad as they were on third down, but you can also say first, second, winning, whatever down, you know, that's what puts you in a position to have half of your third down attempts being, you know, nine yards or more. You know, you're not good on first and second down. So there's just not a margin for error. And like we talked Sunday morning, like you're just not going to, you're not going to, you're going to get what? In most games, 10 on the short end, maybe 14 and 15 if it's a high scoring game of, of fast paced offense drives. Half those drives, you're not going to just methodically go down the field. Like, they have to figure out a way to start generating West, West, right. some some bigger – not even necessarily for touchdowns, but, like, 15-yard runs, 20-yard passes. Like, you can't just 7-yard run, 14-yard pass it down the field consistently enough to, and then get down to the 20, 25-yard line and think that you're just going to four yards at a time it into the end zone. Right. And, and what the a 40 yard play might not be a touchdown, but it's four first downs we don't hear three, you know, three times of going through your your set of downs. Yeah. Um that 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 it saves you. And all of a sudden you've got the ball at the 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 32 yard line. Um and you didn't have to take, you know, seven, eight plays to do it. Like that's mm-hmm. the last two games. That is something that you know, they didn't have many against Miami. They didn't. They had the the one 35-yard pass to Shaman. Nothing else over 22. Um, not much over 15. Like, I think there's only three or four plays over 15 in that game. So, yeah, yeah like, they're, they're not helping themselves out there either. Um, when, guess what worked against Eastern Kentucky and Pitt? Like, you had chunk runs. You had big passes down the field. Like the offense was helping itself, and and right now they are not helping themselves. Uh, Anna's ilk. Maybe they start taking the three points versus the alternative. I mean, they've only really risked that what twice. Like they've taken the three a lot. Yeah, that's been the problem. Right. <laughs> they've had, they've had to take the three too many times. To the point where they feel like at times maybe we need to go for it on fourth and one, fourth and two, because we can't take another three. Yeah, I mean, if I you mean, look at the red zone numbers, they have 19 attempts, they've scored 14 times, 
nine touchdowns and five field goals. But they're two for 12 or two for 10 in the last two games. Yeah. But they're two for 10 in, in terms of scoring touchdowns. And somehow that's, not even, some that's not even close to the worst in the conference either. Well, yeah, because they were great the first two games. They had <laughs> 10 trips and scored nine touchdowns in the first two games. So let's get back to that. Yeah, um, run, run that offense. Oklahoma. I just don't, I don't think Dylan Gabriel is good, Dave. He's okay. Like if, if I'm if I'm building a championship team, Dylan Gabriel's way down the list of who I want him as my Yeah, team. I mean, I guess, you know, I thought our defense played really good, but I also thought yeah. there was like there were plays to be made and to to only score 20 points. I feel like, you know, if we're just com- comparing, you know, and I'm, you know, they all the talk was about their offensive passing game and efficiency and all that. Like, USC, Oregon, and Washington would have scored 50 in that game. Easily. Maybe not 50. High 30s, 40s. USC would have probably scored 50. So, I mean, uh, yeah. They, they certainly, you know, stalled out a couple times, turnover in the red zone. They don't really have much of a, of a running game. I mean, he um, missed a wide-open touchdown. Oh, right, not as yeah. bad as you can miss it. Down the middle, yeah, for it sure. It wasn't even really close. No. But, um, but no, I mean, you know, we – I think that's the – the, to me, it's the frustrating part is that you, you knew – I try to look at things just like as a whole and not react necessarily to each game on their own. And, you know, am I really surprised by any of this from what we saw all summer and what we talked about going into the season? The answer is no, because it's just coming in different ways than maybe we expected and coming at different. It's it's happening backwards. Times that we expected. Um, Right. You know, you have all these new guys, you have a new system, you have depth issues in certain positions. We all knew that going into the season. So, and all of those things are showing them, have shown themselves at various points through the first, you know, call it month, four games, that like they're not really on or off track of what I thought was going to happen this year. I Both have two and two right now, right? Yeah, I, I think just three the, and one because I, I I called the Oklahoma upset. The major frustration, and I think, just lies in the fact of like you lost the Miami game when you played pretty well outside of one segment of the game, and that's why you lost. And yeah, that is now starting to manifest itself over into another week when you were going up against. A top twenty team. I mean, you can put them wherever you feel like in that but range. A top twenty team, yeah. but a top twenty team, and the part of the team that you have the least questions about stood up. I won't even say stood on their head, but like played a very, very well played game, and you couldn't get it done on the other side of the ball. And so, yeah. the the question then becomes: Okay. What do I trust? How how much more like do I trust them to go to BYU and win? Like I'll get into it. Um 
I think they can definitely win this game. But I also have seen the last two weeks of offensive, major offensive inefficiencies in two huge elements of the game. Like, if you're not good on third down and you're not good in the red zone, you're not going to beat very many teams. Especially good ones. And even mediocre ones. Like, yeah. Even mediocre ones, you're not. I mean, unless you force a bunch of turnovers or hit chunk play, you know, pull up Phil Dracovic and are terrible, but three of your passes are touched. No, something like that. It's just very hard to beat anybody of comparable talent level. If you can't move the ball in third down, you can't score touchdowns when you get it inside the 20. It makes life very difficult. Like, unnecessarily difficult, I guess yeah. is the, the proper way to put it, right? Yes, unnecessarily for, difficult. For sure, because we see at times things are very easy for them. Yeah. Like, if you took the – I think it was the – I don't know if it was the last drive or the last two drives of the first half – and then the first two or three drives of the second half, they moved the ball, I won't say with ease, but they moved the ball quite well and basically got nothing out of it. Yeah. What, three points, I think? Yeah, because uh, it was a 54-yard field goal. 54-yard field goal, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a game that, you you feel like you played just you played pretty well. If you play even a little bit better, there's game pressure in the fourth quarter that you can win that game. And unfortunately, I mean, yeah, you're down two scores when you get the ball back with seven minutes to go. Where you know if you get two touchdowns, but like you couldn't get one touchdown in the previous fifty three minutes. Fifty three minutes. Like, what <laughs> makes you think all of a sudden? the touchdown uh, machine is going to turn back on and all of a sudden you're going to, you're going to blow down the field for two touchdowns. Like I, I just, I don't know, but that's probably what the second or third best team in the league. Uh, I think they're, I would put them, I would put them third, but it's Texas a very, State, it's a very high three compared to everybody else. Like I think there is right. a massive gap between those three and everybody else. And if you want to flip flop them in K State, I wouldn't argue with you. But I don't even know right now. Like I don't even know who I'd necessarily put fourth. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I, just thinking off the top of my head, I don't know who I would consider fourth. I mean, I think I would probably put TCU fourth. I think they're better than they showed in Colorado, and they've played quite well the last three weeks. Yeah, and I'm sure Colorado was probably a wake-up call for them. Yeah, I think they – oh, I think they they publicly admitted, like, we did not take them seriously enough. We thought we were going to roll. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would probably have them or Kansas, them in Kansas, Kansas, maybe fourth, them fifth or vice versa. Vice, Yeah. And then everybody else like draw names out of a hat. Pretty much. Except for maybe. Except for a few. Taylor. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I'm not putting, I'm not putting some teams you see probably included that high up, but. Right. But yeah, I mean, they're one of the best. But I teams certainly think UC could beat whoever's sixth or seventh. Yes. Or eighth. 
mean, you just played a very strong game for the most part against a team we're talking about is, you know, based on their schedule and the way they're playing, like, it's hard for me to see them losing to anybody else but Texas. They don't play K-State? Nope. That's unfortunate. I think that would be a fun game watching their defense against K-State's offense. for sure. But, yeah. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot else on that for you. No, no. We're good there. All right. That brings us to a time stamp, our first time stamp of the night by our good friends at Turtle Brew, zero carbs, zero sugar, gluten-free, 6% ABV, bourbon-infused sweet tea, 50 locations in greater Cincinnati. Visit turtlesbrew.com for more information and locations. Cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, and Dave. Two new flavors. Lemonade tea. That's not new. Essentially, I've had that. Arnold Palmer. Well, yeah, but that was, it was just getting ready to, like, they were, it wasn't released yet when you Ah, uh, okay. So the, the lemonade tea and strawberry mint. Ooh, all right. Are new on the market. So that is our timestamp brought to you by Turtles Brew. And now we will get into the preview for this week, which is brought to you by Team Ticker. You can see it right there for me. Aaron's got his. I've got the C. Paul. Aaron's got the Bearcat. Bearcat around here somewhere, too. Maybe I'll, I'll switch back to the Bearcat at some point. Trade. But we wanted you to see both the C. Paul, the Bearcat for Aaron. It's a local company started by two UC alumni. It's a one of a kind sports sign for Bearcats fans. A high tech retro display that provides updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, and much more. No subscription re- required. If you're looking for the perfect addition to your man cave, your dorm room, your apartment on campus or a gift for that special Bearcats fan, go to teamticker.com and pick up your team ticker today. And also if you have loved ones or uh, Christmas presents in mind for Michigan State or Penn State fans, they have those as well. So it's still $25 off. I don't think so. I think that is, I think that's over. Okay. Maybe you can go to teamticker.com while we do this segment and see if there's still a $25 off. All right. Um, all right. Let's get to uh let's get to BYU. A, a quarterback that Scott Satterfield is familiar with from last season, Keaton Slovis, uh, that they defeated when Louisville beat Pittsburgh, uh, is now in charge of the helm of BYU. And the reason Dave and I think this might be a three and a half plus hour affair is they do not run the ball at all. Yeah, they're, I mean, I'm sure they'd like to. It has just been uh, very, very unsuccessful so far in 2024. They are uh, 129th nationally in rushing with 61 yards per game. They had nine yards rushing last week against Kansas. Uh, against Southern Utah in week two, their running backs ran the ball for three yards a carry. They are, he threw it 51 times last week. Obviously, part of that not being able to run the ball, other part of that 
game situation. So um, I'm sure they would like to try to establish the run and not just come out and chuck it all the time. But if you didn't, if you can run it for nine yards against Kansas, how like what are you going to run it for this week? Right against a team uh, that that has would done seem, a really good job. Would seem to be better. I mean, better at that defending that. Actually, Kansas is uh, has a good rush defense as well, as you see. It's a little bit better when you look at just yardage numbers. But again, game situations, who knows, things of that nature. Um, you know, it was a very odd thing, and I reached out to our compatriots at BYU about the spread movement. For those that aren't into gambling, I think they opened up at like minus six and a half. Is that right? Was it that high? I mean, I minus, know in the minus past, five and like, minus nine, five and a half, minus six, something like that, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I know when, that, the, when the jump happened, it was at like three. All of a sudden, three. yesterday it moved all the way to UC is now favored by one and a half. It's a yeah. very strange movement midweek, not even midweek, like early week. Right. I mean, you can see you can see movement Friday night into Saturday morning on games, but not like this. So I reached out and I was like, "Is something bigger going on than than what is it seems to be out there?" And and I was told like, "There's some injuries." And after doing some digging, like, there's a lot of injuries, but I'm not sure it's moved the spread that much so quickly. So. As I dug into this, like, you know, I use kind of the same data points uh, to keep things consistent. We are very, very close in S&P Plus. They're 48th, we're 49th. They're 51st offensively, 57th defensively. We're 72nd offensively and 33rd defensively. Um, FPI, there's quite a gap. We're 39th and they're 61st. Sagarin, UC's 40th, BYU 51. And then FEI, which is like an efficiency rating, takes your offense, defense, special teams, efficiencies. Also a fairly big gap there as well. UC's 45th, BYU 64th. So I'm like, okay, you know, start doing some more digging. You know, found that number about the rushing. You know, Kansas rushed at 221, six yards of carry against them. They had been pretty good against the run before Saturday, so maybe this is a blip, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. But, I mean, they are, like, it might be the injury thing because they are dealing with what seems to be more than just your typical bumps and bruises, um, especially with some key players. They're probably best offensive lineman, maybe biggest pro prospect. Kingsley, and I'm going to butcher his last name, uh, Suamatia, injured against Kansas, came back in. Sounds like he might play, but from our standpoint, status unknown. Big loss defensively, Ben Bywater, linebacker, led the team in tackles last year with 98. Already had 32 in a sack this year. He is definitely out. Starting cornerback, Eddie Heckard, was a 2022 FCS All-American that transferred in. He is very likely out. 
Linebacker and safety is in a bad spot. They are down. They were down at Kansas to two walk-on safeties starting. Rough. And linebackers are strength for them. They got two other guys that are their other two leading tacklers. But like this guy's backup has already been Bywater's backup has already been hurt. Um, their second string safety is already out. And then their starting safety was out. One of their starting safeties was out in fall, out for the year in fall camp. Aiden Robbins, big time transfer for them at running back from UNLV. Didn't play last week. He's out this week. They had a wide receiver get a concussion last week. Parker Kingston, another wide receiver, Cody Epps, was out pretty much all last year and has been coming back from injury played sparingly last week so maybe his reps get bumped up this week but would seem that he's still not a hundred percent uh starting left guard exited the kansas game had a sling on his arm they benched the starting right tackle in that game so now it's kind of like a caleb etn or um Braden Kime at right, like their offensive line has had a ton of movement, of some injuries. Like, there's just a, it seems like there's a lot going on. You know, I'm reading articles about the offense has had an illegal touching penalty every game. So, like, what the hell's going on there? I guess last week there was a timeout. I don't think they called it, it was maybe a TV timeout, and they had to call a timeout coming out of the timeout. So it just seems like there's a lot of, I don't know what, I don't know what is going, like the injuries, the, it seems like some inorganization. The offensive line clearly isn't playing up to standard if you're running the ball for nine yards and, or 129th in rushing period. And you've played two teams that you should physically dominate. Um, So, this is why it's hard because if UC was three and one and was just average in the areas we discussed earlier, I would think like I'd feel very confident they're gonna win this game after I've gone through all this stuff. But you're going on the road on a short week, a night game, and it's gonna be loud, it's gonna be hostile, the altitude, all of those things. I'm like, do I trust them? Do I need to do the whole like show me before I believe it type thing? I mean, we have seen them go on the road and look pretty good. Um, I, I I would say I would expect BYU is better better than Pitt. I don't think I would hope that's not too much of a stretch because um, <laughs> Pitt looks pretty damn bad right now. Yeah. Um. I don't know what 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 are they defensively. Like what is what is their what is their system? What are they trying to do? Four, four two five. Which if you're banged up at linebacker and safety, that ain't great. <laughs> right. That's that puts a lot of pressure on the front four in the in the corners. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing five DBs all the time and your starting corner is already out, and you got like multiple safeties that are already out, and you're playing walk-ons in week four, that doesn't sound good. Right. You know, they've only got six sacks. Tyler Beatty has two and a half. He's a defensive end. He's leading them. So they're not getting a ton of 
a ton of pressure uh, on the quarterback. Let me look up something real quick. Tackles for loss. They are 12th in the conference. They have 20 this year. For comparison's sake, we are 6th. We have 26. Kansas State is leading the conference. They have 36. So whether it's sacks or tackles for loss, they're not in the backfield a ton. Um, I mean, I think they're going to Guess what? When, when you have major trouble at safeties, your number one corner is out, and your linebackers are out, you're going to become pretty hesitant to Right. Pressure. You're not blitzing because you can't afford to put a couple walk-ons on islands and if you don't get home and, th- and stuff of that nature. Right. Like, it just makes it really tough if you want to – like, you can't be aggressive even if you wanted to. And Aaron, by the way, it has up the $25 off is still active. So teamticker.com, get $25 off your purchase. Cincinnati, Michigan State, and Penn State. Um, Got a question from Connor. I already adjusted the banner for it. We're good. I know. I just hadn't read it. I wanted to say it out loud. for the. There are people podcasting here. Uh, Do we think a short week, a late-night game, and the altitude will be any effect on the team? I know Coach said no, but I feel it could. The altitude, I I don't worry about college kids, man. I don't yes. worry about late night, but no. uh, altitude is obviously concerned. I think it'll be less of a concern at night without like the heat and you know humidity. Well, here's the thing: is it's less of so like if UC's defense plays well, I think it's less of a concern because you're it doesn't really affect you offensively because you're cycling through running backs, receivers, tight ends. Like nobody offensively is playing outside of Emory Jones and some of the offensive linemen, like Scott mentioned probably should have used more offensive line rotation against Miami when we ran 91 plays. Like if we run 91 plays again, they should be rotating more guys offensively. Right. And he, he admitted that like we didn't get Wilder and Radosevich in enough. Cause then, in then the, the altitude, game. then the altitude will start to affect you. Yeah, like if your defense, and that's one thing, even in the Miami and, and Oklahoma games, the defense was not on the field, like, exorbitantly. Like, they won no. time of possession. They they're the leading time of possession team in the in the league. They're averaging over yeah. 33 minutes a game. Right. They ran almost twice as many plays as Miami did. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the altitude is, is going to be a concern. Period. Um, I mean... If we want to look at like individually, Keaton Slovis, 60%, but he's really 54% in the last two weeks against Arkansas and Kansas. And I wouldn't call either of those teams like than the 85 Bears defensively. Um, a little over 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, six sacks. He's a statue. So it's like, it's go, it's go time, Brian Brown. Like, let's six, seven, man, let's go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the pit defense, right? Like, the way that they came after Djokovic, like, that applies I, again. I think their receivers are, the field. I think their receivers are better than Pitts. Isaac Rex sure. is a tight end. He's their leader, 17 for 260 and a touchdown. Then you got Chase Roberts and Darius Lassiter. They've combined for 35, 427, and four touchdowns. Uh, and then you have Cody Epps, who's probably going to work his way back in a little bit more, subbed out for the guy that got the concussion. So you've got four 
four pretty legit targets for him. So, you know, I'm not I'm not sure you want to go guns blazing, you know, all the time, you know, 60% pressure. Yeah, you know, but and, you, and you want to get after him. Yeah, but I mean, I would feel comfortable being like, we'll stop, we'll figure out a way to stop the run. We're going to assume that they're going to throw 66 plus percent of the time. I mean, they running back's a true freshman, LJ Martin, 56 carries, 223, two touchdowns. So it's like four yards a carry. I watched a little bit of it. Doesn't come across as particularly fast. And then the backups, Aiden Robbins being one of them, and he's out. They have 10 and 16 carries each and average, both average under three yards a carry. So if he's out and then they basically use two backs and the LJ Martin's going to get the bulk of the carries, but I mean, he's only got 56 through four games and they were three and zero going into the Kansas game. So they had every reason to run the ball and they just, they just can't. Right. The key for me in this game defensively first down, if you can force him into second and third and, you know, behind the sticks consistently, I think they keep the BYU offense relatively in check. Yeah. Which in this game, since it doesn't, I mean, maybe they surprise us and they, they try to run it a bunch, but that would mean to me, don't let them get hot first down passing. Like don't let them pick up six, seven, eight yards on first down because then they can run. Like yeah. then, you know, if they if they run and they they gain a yard, it's it's still third and four, third and three. So stop the pass on first down, and I think you can you can severely limit this BYU offense. Connor, again, thanks uh, for the donation. Are we getting into the basketball schedule? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, over under win total. We'll do that right before the season starts. We got a couple things we need to know. Before we yeah. get an over-under win total. I'm not giving any predictions <laughs> right now. <laughs> get those answers. Hold up. Wait. Yeah, I mean, like, they only have – we have 31 more first downs than them. They're second to last in the conference in first downs. Yeah. And that's what happens when you can't run the ball. So – but that also tells me they probably go over the top a decent amount as well as they've thrown the ball. Well, you want to hear another funny one? Sure. UC, passing offense, sixth. BYU, ninth. Passing rating, UC, seventh. BYU, ninth. Again, I'm not a, a, I'm not a huge Keaton Slovis guy. Like, I think if he was really good, he'd, Phil Jerkovic wouldn't be at Pitt. Like, would you agree with me on that one? Yeah, I mean, if he was really good, they wouldn't have. He wouldn't have been looking to leave. Generally, how that works. Um, any update on Sammy? He hasn't been able to get through the pregame. Like they've been trying to work him out pregame and and see if he's ready to go, and he hasn't been ready to go. I would guess that happens again. Um, I personally, default setting. Until I see him, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna count on him playing. We're at, we're at a month on a concussion yeah. like that. That tells you something's, something's up. Mm-hmm. Like something out of, out of 
the norm, something out of the usual. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, they have a good punter. Do that. And yeah, I did, yeah. I did say good, that. Good, good punter and field goal kicker. So there might be a lot of punts and field goals in this one, Dave. It's just so fr- like you look at these numbers, like UC's only punted twelve times. That's fourth in the league. Yeah, Iowa State and Oklahoma State have punted twenty-seven times. Mm. Like, if we could just score some freaking touchdowns in the red zone, like all of the numbers say, like this that's team is, that's what this- I said that like in the Brengel fights, they're not. I don't think they're far think this is watching the 2016 Cincinnati Bearcats or watching the 2017 Cincinnati Bearcats when oftentimes it felt very clear there's not anywhere close to enough talent on offense there's not guys that get open there's not guys that can block there there's you know there's just there's too many things stacked on top of each other for those offenses to be successful I don't get that vibe. Like, I, I, it's high leverage. They've got to figure out and be better. And that's not even me being glass half full. I don't think. That's me being realistic. They are having high leverage issues. They are not good enough right now over the past two weeks in high leverage situations. But I don't think it is because they don't have the talent to be good. Right? Like, is that fair? Yeah. I don't think that is being overly like rosy. I think that is saying they're not far. If they fine tune a couple things, if they get the car in the shop and they get a little bit of, you know, little uh, standard maintenance, they can be on the same page and they can be better in those high leverage situations. Does that mean it's, it's, it's automatically going to come? No, absolutely not. But, yeah, I don't think they're far off. Like for the people that, and I get, fandom is emotional, and it's it's easy to just pick something, and everybody point it out, and harp on it. When it we like, it's part of is play calling part of the problem in high leverage situations. Yeah, to an extent, sure, because the plays haven't overly worked. But that doesn't mean it's the only problem. And it doesn't mean that you can't look at the play. Like, it's not like all of a sudden the, the same guy that's good at calling plays, moving the ball up and down the field, is dreadful at calling plays in high leverage situations. Like, that just to me, Dave, I, maybe you think differently. To me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. But, I mean, clearly there's some disconnect right now. Sure. So you, sure. yeah, you know, it's on it. Like I said Sunday, like it's on everybody. It's on everybody. You can't be that bad in one particular part of the game and just point at one or two people. Sure, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like at, at points, maybe this is a play call here and there that was a bad play call. At points, maybe it was a good play call that that X Y Z didn't execute properly. Maybe it's Emery made a bad throw. Maybe it's somebody 
fell down in their route on a good play call, potentially. Like, you know, whatever it is, it's not the the chain on the bike is getting, uh, like, popping off at yeah. some point in these high leverage situations. And they have to figure out why exactly that's happening and how to get it fixed. Yeah. The good news is, I don't, like... What what are the best de- like Iowa State's the best defensive left defense? Yeah, I mean B- BYU's defense. If you just go on like total defense, they're third in the conference. They're not even giving up two hundred yards a game. But you oh. know, ha- yeah, how much of these? Uh, no, that's sorry, that's pass defense. Okay. Um, to- total defense, they're sixth. They're actually one spot ahead of UC. Um, but. You know, how much of that is the first two games where, just like you see how much of UC's offense, you could say the same thing, how much of UC's offensive production is the first game, um, which right now it's a lot. But I'm, I'm interested to see how much what UC does off of what Kansas did because they had success running the ball. They have a running quarterback that they actually ran. It seems like Arkansas didn't really run K.J. Jefferson much in that game um, or else BYU did a great job stopping it. I haven't seen much, you know, seen it to know one way or the other. I mean, we've seen Arkansas doesn't want to run KJ Jefferson like exorbitantly. Like, yeah. They will, but, but like, they get they they dialing up a bunch of stuff for they him. They gave up run. a big, a big long rushing touchdown in that game to uh, one of their backs. So I'm just interested to see what, how we rep, try to replicate what Kansas did given the we have a running a, a quarterback that's capable of running. We have Kansas has two good backs. We have two. We have three good backs, really. Um, but I'm interested to see does Miles get more touches because I felt like he, you know, you're down for the majority of the game, so you're, you know, we talked about it. You're going to throw the ball more. I thought his speed was noticeable against Oklahoma. I thought he ran really hard. And and just how much more opportunity does he get? Um, you know. You have a lot, especially with the offensive line, you know, you have new pieces, pretty much, you know, Gavin's back, but it's a totally new scheme. Kander knows the scheme, but he has a new guy on his right and his left. Uh, Williams has never really started, and it's a new scheme. So, like, how long does it take an offensive line to gel when all those pieces are different and they're all learning a totally new, you know, for four out of the five of them, a totally new blocking scheme. How long does it take a coaching staff to figure out what plays a team does well and the team doesn't do well? Because I don't think beating the crap out of EKU answers that question. So how long does that take to figure out? How long right. does it take? How and these are just rhetorical questions. You could say it should should have already fi- they should have already figured it out, or you could say it, it takes a little bit of time. You know, how long does it take a coaching staff to realize what Emory Jones is truly good at and what they are hoping he's good at? You know. Yeah. So I just think there's a lot of moving parts that sometimes people maybe fans maybe just assume like these are major college athletes. They should just be able to figure that out. I mean, shit, the Bengals last year changed their entire run game at halftime 
of the Ravens game, the first, <laughs> yeah. first Ravens game, basically five weeks in. Like, so you're always trying to figure stuff out when things aren't going well. And then you add on to it, like, all of the different elements that you see is trying to figure that stuff out with, you know, while doing these things at the same time. You know, who, who knows how long that will take? Hopefully it doesn't take much longer, but, you know, you, there, I don't think there's any way for us to truly have a good understanding of, of, a, of a timeline. Yeah. Um, all right. Are you going to pull the trigger? What's, uh, what's Dave's prediction? Oh, man. Um, I just want to see it. I want to see it. I think it's there. I think given everything I've said, I want, I very much want to pick UC. Um, but I'm going to stick with my, what I said at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to say BYU 2421. Um, I think I'm going to. I'm leaning towards taking Cincinnati. Do it. Literally nothing is on the line. Right. I mean, it'll come <laughs> out, you know, it'll come out tomorrow night or, or Friday morning when the, uh, it'll leave some suspense for the staff predictions article, Dave. <laughs> um, oh, I know there's I, several people waiting for that to hit their inbox. Tens of people. Tens of people. Tens wanting to. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm being bombarded by my 13 year old. That news has just broken that uh, Taylor Swift is planning on being at the Jets game, the, the Chiefs Jets game in in New York. Oh my gosh! Uh, and she wants me to take her to the game uh, Sunday in New York City. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes tons of sense. Yeah, because I'm sure now that that's out, those ticket prices are going to be completely reasonable. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she understands daddy doesn't have uh, many connections in the Big Apple. <laughs> Daddy's got a lot of connections, just not in New York City. Um, yeah. Will Paints play Friday? Uh, according to Scott Satterfield, he will play. Why didn't he play Saturday? A violation of team rules. Let's just say... Uh he didn't handle the Miami loss well. Obviously, we're not going to get into the details of individuals, but like, how do you think, based on being around today and what you've heard, how do you feel like they made out from the uh, Oklahoma game health-wise? It seemed that Satterfield said everybody practiced on Monday. Uh, we're not allowed to report injuries. Right. Uh, and but, you know, it looked like a full – I'll just say it looked like a full practice – on Tuesday. Yeah. Which just be which would be good. I mean, I know there were several guys I know. Obviously, everybody saw Jack Dingle come off a couple times in the post game. It sounded like Jordan Young did something to his hand towards the very end of the game. Um, but other than that, it didn't seem like there was you know, too much cause for concern. I don't believe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe DJ Taylor played. Is he still on the men? He was drafted. I mean, he was he was there. I, okay. I kind of expected, from what I heard, the plan was to see a lot more. I guess maybe it was a good sign that Ken Willis played really well. 
Yeah. Um, because my understanding was they were gonna, if necessary, they were gonna, you know, had the option to move Taj Ward down. Because that's what I thought. Initially. And the reason I reason I asked that is because I believe Antoine Peak went in at safety. Yeah, I don't. I didn't see Peak in, but no, oh, I um, thought okay. I thought he. I thought he did. But I, I'm just I, say, I didn't see him go. Like yeah. you know, I didn't see him go in. I'm usually behind the quarterback when the yeah. other team has the ball, so safety is pretty right. Pretty there's challenging of, for me. There's a lot of people blocking your view. Um. But um, he was dressed, so I don't know. Like I was, like I was told before the game, there was a you know a fallback plan of DJ Taylor at safety and Taj Ward in the in the star spot, right? Where Pace vacated, uh, and and I guess that would have been if things didn't go well with Ken Willis. But you know, I do think we need to hat tip to Ken Willis a little bit. He played pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's. You know, you sit down and you watch the game from a coach's tape standpoint. There's probably several things, but he certainly didn't look at a place where you're sitting there in the stands and you can go, "Well, I know where they're throwing it on this play." Right, and I think they tried right away. Like if you go look at their early early stuff, like the first couple drives, like they were throwing. To well, the yeah, spot. I mean, when when like you that. see that, uh, you know, you see it come across pregame that one of the best defensive players where the where you see is not playing. I think your first instinct is to go, okay. And they're starting a red shirt freshman with no career starts in his place. Yeah. That's what I mean. You look at and you go, okay, who's replacing him? Oh, this guy. Oh yeah. We're going after him. Yeah. So I don't know. I might pull the trigger tomorrow night. I've got another day to talk myself into it. I'm still (laughs) cautious. Because I do just I worry about the short week. I worry about the altitude. Like you know, th- there are definitely things to be concerned about. Um, but I, in terms of talent, just in terms of looking at the two teams on paper, I don't think there's a, a much of a gap, if any gap at all. Or well, I mean, the data, the data says that it's a it's in UC's favor, especially with when you factor in the injuries that BYU has, if UC's healthy and BYU's got five, six, seven guys, starters that might not be there, you know, it's interesting. Um, I wonder how much rotating we're going to see to try to combat the altitude and give guys maybe an opportunity to catch their breath a little bit more than normal, which would uh, challenge the depth of this team. Although they feel pretty, like, I'll tell you this, they feel pretty confident about that D-line depth. Did you see the beginning of the second half? Uh, yeah, I I remember because I go to myself, I said, well, that's certainly a strategy. Where it was the entire second, almost the second string defense, like, it like, well, D, D, D-line, yeah. D-line was, D-line was the second string defense. I think Jonathan Taylor was out there. Uh, Ken Jonathan Willis was out Jonathan there. Thompson. Or Thompson, I mean. Yeah. Jonathan Thompson was out there. Ken Willis was out there. But it was it was the second string defensive line, the yeah. first three snaps, four snaps of the second half. I was like, well, that's a like you. Well, that's a strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's certainly something you can do. <laughs> but it didn't it didn't hurt them. No. Like they no. got to stop. That's how confident they are with uh, with that second unit. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Connor wants to know how you become a BCJ member and, and what are the prices. Uh, you just go to BearcatJournal.com and you click join and you have a decision to make from there, Connor. You can sign up for monthly, which is uh, about $11 a month, or you can sign up for annual, uh, which is $109 uh, for a year, whole year of coverage. And so depending on where you where you go to school, where you went to school, you can figure out which one is the better value. Yeah. Now, if you went to school where like Chad and I did, it might take you a little bit longer to figure that out. But me, probably longer than you. I, I oh would no, guess. I'm when I was when I was a pledging yeah. my fraternity, I had already not proven my math skills to be less than ideal, <laughs> and uh, I would be forced to recite. Two plus two equals four. Four plus four equals eight. I'm a math genius over and over again. <laughs> uh, is, that, is that the uh, the college fraternity version of Bart Bart Simpson writing on the? <laughs> yeah, basically. Word? Yeah, uh, that's got. That's great. Um, yeah. So uh, I think I think we're good there. I don't have anything really else. Do you? No, I don't think so. I mean, when will, you, when will you have a when will you have a beverage Friday night? I mean, like as soon as I get to my parents' house, so like six, seven o'clock, maybe. Okay, I didn't know if like maybe you would hold off until a little closer to kick. No, probably not. Okay. So I, I, don't have to, have to. I don't. I don't have to drive anywhere. Yeah, and I have to do content. Uh, so like, at the end of I the can game. get, um, we can do whatever we want, and I just, you know, couch, floor, bed, whatever. Yeah, I mean, if I start drinking at seven, eight o'clock, two uh, thirty is going to be rough. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll join you guys while I'm watching the Ryder Cup post game. You're more than welcome. It, we could, it could be one of, you know, if you see where to win, this would be quite the the Dave after dark. <laughs> Dave before the dawn. Dave at dawn, yeah. <laughs> Dave at dawn. It'll be a rough one. So yeah, I, I'm probably gonna hold off until around kickoff before I really consume anything. We already said this might be one that never is aired outside of the original area. Yeah, it might. It might be live and then live, live only. Yeah, live and then removed from the playlist, depending on how things go. Yeah, I can see that. If you want to see it, you might want to make sure. Stay up till 2 a.m. Yeah, you might want to be. You want to know the funniest thing? Uh, Bearcat Journal-wise of the past, uh, the, maybe the whole season. Um, we never get, like, stricken on anything that limits our, our monetization on YouTube, Dave. Yeah. The only thing we have gotten in the last, I don't know, year is there is limited, and they don't tell us why, but there is that we were we were stricken uh, for limited limited uh, ad availability on the Bearcat brunch Sunday morning. Why? It doesn't say, but you guys did something. Like you don't cuss on that show at all. Like that's that's easily the most like G-rated program that we have. I mean, I 
I'm sure I said a couple choice words, but over an hour, it's not like every other word was right. You know. Well, you guys do pretty good. Like you don't even like you don't drop a lot of like I have I don't know remember many f bombs on that show or no anything that's like bad, but I don't know. I mean, someone might, I mean someone might be listening to it while they're at church, so I don't want to you know get right. get them in trouble. So right, but yeah, that's that's funny. I'm like, where did, where did that come from? You didn't have any music playing in the background, or no? Hmm. Yeah, the man, right, try, the man trying to hold us down. It is. It is. It's just funny because, like, the BBP. There's a lot of there's a lot of yeah off color language. <laughs> and we've never had a BBP like dinged for anything. Uh, and the brunch got hit. <laughs> well, they we're clearly uh, doing a good job. They're watching. Right. Uh, let's get to it. That's a timestamp brought to you by Turtles Brew. Visit turtlesbrew.com to find out where you can pick it up. 50 plus locations in greater Cincinnati. Zero sugar, zero carbs. Gluten-free, bourbon-infused sweet tea. They have cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, and the new lemonade tea and strawberry mint. You can go to turtlesbrew.com for more information and locations. A portion of the proceeds go to Save the Sea Turtles. They are in Cincinnati, Toledo, and now expanding in Central Ohio. 6% ABV, and I'd recommend, especially if it's a, uh, it's a late-night game, maybe... Kick a little of your own favorite Kentucky spirit to uh, spice it up a little bit. All right. I guess uh, you want to get to the basketball schedule, David? Uh, sh- sure. I, I will say there's a couple couple Big 12 games of interest this week for, for various reasons. One being Kansas, Kansas, Texas. Just looking forward to that game uh, in general. Yes. But the one I'm actually, maybe from a deranged standpoint, I'm more interested in is the Iowa State-Oklahoma State game. If Iowa State wins that one. Because the loser of that is in a pretty bad spot. Because Iowa State's next two games after that are at Oklahoma and TCU. before, And then Oklahoma State has a bye, but then plays Kansas State and Kansas. And then we kind of play the we do the whole that's why I was so this four game stretch is very important because just going by SP plus or sorry, wait. No, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Iowa State plays Oklahoma this week. So I was a week off. Disregard what I just said. About right. Kansas does play Texas, but I was looking at I was looking at the wrong week on my uh, my schedule grid. I'm I'm sorry. Thank you, thank you, Jeffrey, for pointing that out, and keeping me from looking like an idiot when people listen back on this. Um, yeah, Iowa State beat Oklahoma State, right? That yes, Kansas, Te- Kansas, Texas is a good game. There's kind of not. It's really Everything else is kind of like the no no result in any of the other ones would surprise me. West Virginia winning at TCU. 
would probably surprise yeah. me. That's but there's funny. nothing else that's like Texas Tech, Houston. That's a, I mean, Texas Tech lost their quarterback for the year and has not been playing good. Houston, I'm not sure this is, uh, this is going very well. But uh, Baylor UCF, another one that's backup quarterback. Baylor's been, I would say, underachieving to date. But does Tim you know, McLean win this job at UCF? I don't think so. Do you? I think he's better. Is that saying much? I mean, I think he's better. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> he might be, but. I don't know. That's better passer. Like he's not dynamic. That's tough. Um, But what I, the main point I wanted to take away though is these next four: BYU, and then we have the bye, and then Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Going off of SP plus, specifically speaking, because I looked it up, they are we are all very very close. Yeah. Like BYU was one spot ahead. And then I think one of those other three was one spot ahead of them. And then the other two are five to 10 to 12 spots behind UC. So for, for the most part, they're all very similarly. Yeah, they're pull names out of a hat range. So like, you know, can UC steal one of at BYU at Oklahoma State? Can they for sure get the two at home? Because I think if you're four, if you're at worst four and four going into the last four, you probably feel pretty good about yourself. I mean, you're home. You got two home, two away. The two away are not going to be against the top teams in the conference. So, right. You know, it's this is an interesting way that how all the basically the last eight teams you see plays, they're all kind of <laughs> there's no outlier of like, oh, this team's really good. Right. So, you know, can you start off Saturday by by stealing one on the road? Or Friday, um, I guess. Let's get to uh let's get to the basketball schedule. Out of conference, it, it's not very exciting. I uh, I'll give you that. I mean there's <laughs> there's Georgia Tech at home on November twenty second. David Stoudemire, baby. That'll be interesting to see if they're a different looking Georgia Tech than they have been. Um, and then Xavier, December 9th, 6.30, that's on FS1. The Dayton game, December 16th at Heritage Bank Center. Um, what are your thoughts on making the, the at-home MTE similar to an NIT game and allowing people to have the chance that don't have the chance to get lower bowl tickets to get lower bowl tickets and create a little bit different fan environment. I have no problem with that element. I don't either. Like that, those games weren't, if they were in an MTE, those games weren't going to be in your schedule or your, your home slate anyway. So it doesn't change the number of home games that you have in your package. It doesn't change what you're paying. It's two additional games outside of the normal home slate. I mean, I don't mind mixing it up a little bit. I I don't have a 
I don't have a problem with much. There's not a lot anymore that like I'm to the point That's where true, like right. there's very few things that I I mean like we do like we're I guess I am absolutely a fan and yes when you lose a game I'm upset but like I just look at things totally differently now that we co- cover the team like I don't have time to like lose my mind for 48 hours to you know but it's like there's very little that upsets me but I guess and I have not spent much time thinking about this or even diving into this but like regardless of the strength of the MTE it's an MTE like you're not getting tickets to Maui as part of your season ticket package you're not <laughs> right. you're not getting tickets to whatever the hell they call the thing at Disney or Paradise Jam or Atlantis like it's a tournament you don't get tickets to the Big 12 championship turn the Big 12 tournament is part of your, like it's different now you they're not I'm not comparing the things like those other things are much better than what you know from a fan perspective and opponent perspective but it's not like it's not a regular season game in that in that regard Yeah. But again, I I, it, I I have other things to get worked it's, out. It's also Detroit Mercy and Eastern Washington. Like, are, are, are you really that upset that those games aren't in the regular season yeah. ticket package? I'm not. But I also don't have season tickets, so. I, I don't have to pay for tickets, so. I, I have a different perspective. Uh, <laughs> conference slate. Boy, it sure looks like hell on paper, doesn't it? I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just bummed that the Kansas game's on a Monday night. Are you not going with us? Well, no, I would still like to go, but I would have enjoyed it much more if it was on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I'm contemplating. Uh, let's get your opinion on this, and, and if anybody's planning on going. Um, I mean, obviously, there's two options here. Option A, we get in the car Sunday. It's about a 10-hour drive. We get in the car Sunday morning-ish. We go to Lawrence. Or, I mean, even if we wanted, we could go to Kansas City and do, or St. Louis even, really, if we wanted to, like, (laughs) split it up a little bit. Uh, We go. And we travel however far we want to travel. We go out that night. We have some fun. Then we go to Lawrence, check out of the hotel, go to Lawrence on Monday and kind of mill around for the game, cover the game, crash Monday night, and then get up Tuesday and roll home. All right, I just had this idea. Or you go Monday morning, you watch the game, and then you get in the car and you drive 10 hours home like alternating shifts on Monday night. Right. One of the two. How about this idea? We do some research and find out if there is a game on that Sunday that is on the way to Lawrence that would be worth going to. And you go to that game on Sunday and then drive to Lawrence the rest of the way after that game and then, or Monday morning. And you're already like halfway there, however far you are, like, we should do some research and find out who is in the path on the way and if they have a game. That would be fun. 
Yeah. Um, it would take some time. To look, like it's not something I think we can really do like live, but you know. Sure, we can. I mean, Tulane, South Florida, Murray State, Maryland, Illinois plays Rutgers that day in Champaign. I don't know how far away that would be. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's uh, on the way. But I mean, you're if you're playing with time a little bit, like right, if you've got some time, but. Uh, but no, just some, a thought that just came to my mind. That would be the only real thing that's worth uh, looking at. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, we could go to well, guess, for Memphis, Tulane. We could go guess, to Tampa for Wichita State, South Florida. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but to your first point, initially, like, did I don't think no matter what, it was gonna. The schedule wasn't going to come out, and you're going to, oh man, that's yeah, they got a break. Uh, they got a break. Certainly wasn't going to be like the football schedule. I mean, I don't think it's. I mean, it's it's incredibly tough. Don't get me wrong, but I don't see any of those like four game stretches that just feel like a nightmare. I mean, you like, dug, it feels I'm, like there's maybe a game mixed in where it's like kind of a coin flip game. I'm sure you've dug into it more like, and I haven't had the opportunity to really like, who are the ones that are only home and only away? Uh, so they don't play Kansas here. Right. And Texas, they don't play Texas Tech here. They don't play Texas right? Tech here. Uh, they only have Texas once. They don't go to they don't go to Austin. Right. Um they've only got a couple teams once. Like they have they, UCF. They don't get they don't get they have UCF twice. Time. They have Houston twice. They have West Virginia twice. I think that's it. Oklahoma's twice. Or Oklahoma's it's, yeah, Oklahoma's twice. TCU's twice. They only have Kansas State once. They only have Oklahoma State once. They only have BYU once. They only have Texas once. I only see Baylor once. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, look, BYU, Texas, Baylor, TCU. Like, Texas, Baylor, TCU, or somebody asked about TCU. Jamie Dixon coaches TCU. They're going to be like, would would you think TCU is a fair comparison to Mick Cronin, Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be good. You're going to it's going to be they're hard good. to go in. They're solid. It's going to be hard to go in and win. I mean, outside of, I mean, let's be real, outside of UCF, like, are there any road games where you're going to just, unless something happens once the season rolls around, where you're just going in being like, we absolutely should win this game? Here are the road games. At BYU, and you know, we'll see. The Marriott Center gets rocking, baby. They got like yeah. seats like 24,000 people. <laughs> At Baylor, good luck. At Kansas, good luck. West well, Virginia. Put, put that in the win column right now. Kansas? Yeah. Mon- Big Monday in the fall. Big Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Virginia, eh. Texas Tech, eh. Eh. I think West Virginia a lot has to do with their – 
they're kind of in the same boat as us with the transfers become eligible. Well, and they're in a the, the, no, coaching you know, change, coaching, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. At UCF, winnable. At TCU will be tough. At Houston, at Oklahoma. I think that like, little stretch, before I make myself sound stupid, I think that stretch right there of at TCU, at Houston, Kansas State is home is probably the hardest three-game run. Yeah, and that's a that's a really difficult three-game stretch. Like, and then you end the season at Oklahoma, who I think will be okay. Um everybody's middle, everybody's okay, but somebody has to be yeah towards the bottom. And I would say if I'm guessing without knowing a ton, I'm probably projecting them more towards the bottom than the top. I guess here's what I would say when like my my reaction to the schedule. Is I just didn't see a stretch where I went, Ooh! you know what I mean? Right. Because like, even like, the a, Kansas, like, a, like, like a two week stretch of like, Ooh! the Ooh! Kansas game is bordered by three home games. Yeah. So you have, even though you go to Lawrence, which let's go ahead and just, I mean, like, they're not going to win in Lawrence. <laughs> let's, be, <laughs> let's be real. But so you, you get, have TCU, have, Oklahoma, and then UCF at home. Right. So if you go, if you break it into like three or four game segments and you go three and one in that segment, like, okay, great. Right. That's kind of, that's kind of my thought process. And like, that's, that was my measuring stick is how many of those just gauntlet three or four game stretches are you going to see? Like you're going to have back to backs that are brutal, but how many of those two week, you know, like white knucklers where, you know, you can, you can start well and be like, you know, five and three in the conference. And next thing you know, you're seven and five. And that still might happen. But I don't look at it and go, oh man, like they had a stretch with Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, and Kansas. Mm-hmm. Right, like if you saw that on the schedule, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, Kansas, in a two-week stretch, like in your mind, that's four losses. So whatever happens, you got two weeks with four losses. And how does your team recover from that? And this, that, and the other. I don't, I don't see a lot of like, oh my gosh. No, it's just the. I think it's more of just like the every night. Every cumulative of like, yeah, you don't have to play bad necessarily to lose a whole bunch of games in a row. You can play really well and lose lose a bunch of games. Like, you can play really well, lose a bunch of games. So that's kind of my overall takeaway. Um, it's boy, it sure is nice though being being back at the power level and not just rolling your eyes at two weeks of games. Oh. And looking at it and going, nothing good comes from this two-week stretch. Nothing good. Like, you have to win. You can't lose. You can't have a bad night. You can't run into a team that gets hot in their own gym and makes, you know, 13 threes. Like, no, you can't. You can't. Well, here's the thing. Every win will be an exciting win. Yeah. You right. 
You're right, sir. You're right. So anything else? Any other miscellaneous stuff? I mean, do you have any more on the schedule? Anything else you want to touch on? Um, no. I mean, I think you know, I'm I'm sure in a in a maybe in next year schedule or something, maybe the out of conference looks a little bit different, but I understand wanting to protect yourself a bit making this jump. Like you have to. Why why send you know, you might think they're going to be good and you might be, have a lot of confidence, but like why take unnecessary risk in a season when your majority of your games you are stepping up a significant level on your night right. in they are, night in night out opponent. They are going from what? 10 games, 9 10 games a year against quote unquote high major opponents to 21. That's a, like you're doubling the number of high major games. Double. What's looking at let's count them up from last year uh by the way uh the howard game is in washington dc on november 28th natalie all the other out of conference games are in the city of cincinnati correct one at xavier one at heritage bank so last the rest at uh uc last year you played arizona high state louisville xavier so that's four uh-huh. Uh you played Houston, that's five. I'll count Memphis is six. Houston the second yep. time is seven. Memphis the second time is eight. Houston in the conference tournament is nine. And Virginia Tech in the first. So all the way through conference tournament, three rounds of the NIT, you played ten quote unquote high major games. Yeah. You're not you're not giving UCF high major status. I'm not. <laughs> uh, yeah, 10. 10. The whole season. 30 what? 32, 3, 36, 36 games. You played 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, this year you have 21. Like, I know as a fan, it's easy to just, oh, jump it up. Put two or three more on there. Why aren't we playing 24? High major games out of 31. Uh, because it's just not smart, I don't think. No. Right, that's what we're saying. G. Offrey, 21 especially, before Especially if you don't get a couple guys eligible. Right? <laughs> that is ultimately on the staff, like everybody knew. Like sure. You, you took that gamble. Yes. That gamble fails. You know, but you have that's, that's also down. like, yeah, well, you know, I just think just the base point of, yeah, like for three months, whatever it is, two plus three months of the season, the grind is totally different. This is not the time to be like, let's get into Atlantis and let's do a home and home with. You know, Indiana. Well, here's the other and, problem with getting like, into MTEs now, Dave. You're only allowed one team per conference per MTE. Yeah, now every conference has 18 teams. There, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of teams now. 
to deal with. So getting into high-level MTEs, it's not just a four. Like the last 10 years, we had this problem in the Big East where there just were too many teams and not enough high-level MTEs to get into. So Mick kind of went out on his own and tried to create some. Um, but, I mean, when you look at it, did they probably take a gamble on that, the MTE, thinking they could, you know, get the NIL thing squared away in, in, for this season? Yeah, didn't work. Um, but guess what? When you're a team that doesn't have $8 million to pay your basketball team uh, just from the start, you got to be a little creative. And you got to take some chances. And for the people that want to bitch about taking chances, they're the same people that when they do take a chance, they want to rip them for taking chances. Or they lose a couple of those games. It'd be like, and then you get to you know February, and it's like if we had only played a couple cupcakes, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, no, I think it's a perfectly fine first year in the Big Twelve schedule. I would anticipate as as they get their footing, as they get their footing, as they as West continues to recruit, as you know all those things. Then you, you know, you know, like you just don't know what you have. You don't know how a roster with a bunch of new pieces is going to acclimate. So why put undue stress on all of that with significantly harder games in in November and December when you know you're going to have significantly harder games in January and February? I understand, and I'm not a, a risk-averse guy, per se, but I get it here. Like, I get not putting yourself in a hole before you even, like, find your shovel. I, you know, I don't, really look, at, I don't really look at it as being risk-averse. I just think you're reading what, you know. I don't take Wes as a risk-averse person, but there's a there's no, a, but I mean there's it's, a it's line like, because like Tom Izzo has done it several times where he's he's scheduled insanely and they've had very mediocre regular seasons and then they always have for the most part have always had very strong tournament runs. But how much up. better would those tournaments have been if they'd been a two seed because they didn't schedule like a lunatic in November? Right. Guess what? You're in the Big Ten. You're going to play a bunch of games that matter regularly. Um, did we see Sean Kilpatrick said he'll be back to watch games this year? Uh, the rumblings are he might be. And this is what what you don't, what people need to understand, Connor. A lot of these guys are playing in Europe during the season. Like the old guys are always around. Corey, uh, Steve Logan was around a ton last year. Um, you know, we've seen Nick come back, uh, like uh, Terrence Nelson, uh, or Terrence Gibson, sorry, Terry Nelson, obviously, because of work. Um, those guys are all around. Right. The guys that, that you want to come back, Troy, Gary, Trey, like they have been back, but it's only been when there's been a gap in their schedule or they're playing maybe, you know, the guys in the G League are able to come back a little bit easier because they're in the States. Like the guys that are still in their pro career have a hard time coming back to Cincinnati just on a whim to catch a random, you know, Saturday game. That's the other Ooh. thing, Dave, that I think people are going to like. 
uh, let's see. January, Saturday, January 20th, 1 p.m., Oklahoma. Saturday, January 27th, 7 p.m., UCF. Uh, Saturday, February 10th, 4 p.m., Houston. Uh, Saturday, March 2nd, 7 p.m., Kansas State. Saturday, March 9th, 2 p.m., West Virginia. Welcome back. Saturday conference basketball games at home. Yeah, I don't, see any Sunday at, I don't see any Sunday at noon on here. You do not. Is there a <laughs> Sunday? I don't think there's a Sunday. Is there? Yep. Florida Gulf Coast. Well, I mean, it's December conference. 3rd. Oh, in conference. No, there is not. There no Everything Sunday is. Games. No, there's no Sunday games in the Big 12. Everything is Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. And then if you're on Big Monday. Well, no, at West Virginia's. At West Virginia's on a Wednesday. Yeah. But Oklahoma State at home is on a Wednesday. Welcome back having Sundays free during basketball season. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, recruiting front, um, Jace Richardson and Tyler Betsy visited this weekend. Sounds like both are rounding into decision-making form. Um, Richard said that that camp has done pretty good at, at keeping things pretty close to the best. Uh, you know, you would expect Michigan State is strong there. We've heard about Alabama with Jace for a long time. Cincinnati is right there with those three. They got the last visit. I don't know how much inside info we're going to get on that one leading up to, you know, when his decision is set. That tends to be the case when. Both parents are the driving force in the recruitment with the kid, as opposed to having coaches and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, involved. Um, but, yeah, we'll see on that one. Tyler Betsy, uh, I am hearing, Dave, that the Villanova visit that was tentatively scheduled for this weekend is not going to happen. Um I know over the next couple of days, UConn, Alabama, and Cincinnati will be in for Tyler Betsy at St. Thomas, and then he will go into decision-making mode. I, you know, I, I don't get out over my skis on recruiting because I know how this all works. I've been doing it for far too long. I like Cincinnati's chances. I feel good about Cincinnati's chances. Am I positive about Cincinnati's chances? Hell no. UConn just won a national championship, and uh, Alabama has all the money that they want uh, to spend in NIL. So, no, I do not feel warm and fuzzy, but I feel good about uh, uh, about things. And let me say this. If Kane Broom gets this done, you start sending kids to St. Thomas More. Oh, <laughs> you talk about... Prep school of choice. Pipeline. Are going to Saint, have you ever looked at St. Thomas Moore? I have not. I think that would be a great place for you, yeah. to, have you to spend your prep school. Would you like to go to Link Academy or St. Thomas Moore? Right, right. <laughs> or Link um, your prep or whatever they call it. Link Academy now. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, we'll see. And, you know, if you get even one of the two to pair with Tyler McKinley, 
I've always said, and, and maybe it's a little more like the, the stakes are up a little bit in the Big 12, but if you can get two top 50, top 75 kids and your high school kids in every recruiting class, you're going to have a roster as long as your evaluation is good. And I, I think we've seen the staff is pretty good at evaluating based on how many kids that they start recruiting uh, at one point. And then by the time that a decision comes, their recruitment is elevated substantially, both in rankings and, and schools interested, et cetera. Um, I think you feel good if that's the case, right? Well, yeah, I mean, we have Tyler Betsiga's composite 32. I mean, this isn't like top right. 75, it's top 40. No. Right, right. I'm just giving a, a generality. Yeah. You know, if you get Jace, Tyler, and and Tyler, you're looking at, you know, a top 10 level type recruiting class. So, um, yeah. I mean, Duke offered the guy for Christ's sake. That you feel pretty good about kids you're recruiting that have a Duke offer. And the, they don't throw uh, those around like in the last the last national champ. <laughs> yeah. You feel pretty good if you can if, if Tyler Betsy gets done. Yeah. I remember when he got to St. Thomas More, Kane sent me a DM like, hey, got somebody. Like hopefully the staff staff can jump on this. They've done a great job. Chad Dollar's done a great job from everything I've heard. Betsy had an awesome visit to UC. So see if they can see if they can be the big shark in that pond. Um anything on Travis Perry? Uh not at the moment. I think he visited Missouri last weekend. He's been like he keeps a pretty tight lip. Uh but he's expected to be at Cincinnati for an official in October. So as that gets closer to happening, uh, hopefully I'll have um a little bit more information there. I know I know they had staff go see him play in the state golf tournament. Like you only do that if you know you're pretty serious about wanting to get the kid. Like that's not you're not getting to rub elbows with mom and dad and the coach. Like you're showing up for the kid at an event that means something to him. Also, usually a good sign. Jane Jane Quinn still like a potential visitor sometime in October. Or... Potentially, I mean, reading the the tea leaves. Missouri, if he goes big, to college. Oh, Missouri, if he goes. Not Big Blue Nation? Uh, so, one of the guys on Missouri's staff played with his dad in college. I gotcha. So, they have a definite in. He just visited Missouri for an official. I still firmly believe I will be shocked if that kid plays college basketball. Yeah. Overtime elite or something. That's, yeah. I, I think he's going he's gonna to go the pro route. Because for him, remember, it's not he, – he, he doesn't get the luxury of one year in college basketball. Right. He's already – if he goes to college, it's because he's bumping up he's a year. Play, he's got to play two. Right. Because of his age, he's not going to be 19 in time to be qualified but if, for the uh, – if you go draft. to overtime elite, though, you can then do that? No. He'd have to play two years, but he'd get to play two years and professionally. The, right. He's getting paid. I Please think the second year he could technically jump to the G League. Yeah. Like but not, actual, not Ignite, but like the real G League. But he couldn't get like a two-way or anything. Uh no, I don't think so yet, but he would still be able to if you're not eligible to be drafted, then you couldn't you be eligible to be deal. signed. Right. You can't get a two-way deal. Or else guys would be doing that to get around with that sure. rule. 
I just I, the vibe I've always gotten on Jaden Quaintance is that I would I would be surprised if he plays in college. Missouri does make some sense because of his dad's tie to there, um, but I it just has felt like the kid wants to be a pro. Go be a pro, like yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, football commitment from Zach Clark. Uh, three-star offensive lineman uh, was committed to Western Michigan. Is that who it was? Yes. And flipped to the Bearcats, 6'6", 270. Um, from everything I have heard and gathering info on Zach Clark, his senior tape has been plus-plus, like really, really good. I watched some of it. He's a, he's a big dude. I mean, he's your prototype which they absolutely need to start finding more of the six, 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 seven guys with the arms, you know, being two seventy already, you can very easily get to 300 as a, you know, he's probably a 16 or maybe 17 year old at this point moves pretty well for a guy, his side size gets out in space can, can run a little bit. So, you know, obviously almost every lineman that a program like you see is going to bring in, is going to be a developmental piece, but you want to see the, the size, the length, the, and still like the foot quickness and, and ability to move and not just be a, you know, a, a tall guy that can't, you know, can be easily displaced. And also important to remember a tackle. This is an outside zone. They got to be able to move. Yeah. You're not recruiting tackles that are just standing there and doing this. Nope. So um, I know, I know from what I've heard, uh, the 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 tape has been kind of what made what enticed this move. And he um, camped as well, so they've had a good opportunity yeah. to see some growth, see him in person, and then see him put put that to work in the first whatever four or five weeks of his of his senior season. So well, what what if the David is you camped? Okay, we've got you now on tape. Now you don't show us like like we're we're. We're impressed, but now you're on our radar. Okay, now let's see, you know, how does your how does your senior year go? Um, so yeah, I think that was uh, you know, it's probably not gonna to blow people away with with the commitment, but guess what? Offensive linemen are hard to grade, man. It's just such a and they're unless they're to, already they're hard to six, grade six, three ten and, and can move. If they're worth a the shit, they're hard to get in the portal. Yeah, they're hard to get as high schoolers. They're hard to get in the portal. They're hard to get. You know why they're hard to get, Dave? There's not a lot of huge people walking around. Because guys that are 6'7", 310 pounds and, can, and, and are athletic, how many of those do you run into in a day? I don't run into any. <laughs> I do at UC occasionally. Right? <laughs> like the ones that are already here are the only ones you run into. Right. So, you know. Um, all right. That's, I don't have a ton else. Nope. I guess the, the playoff is sticking with six plus six for now going forward. <laughs> they haven't switched to five plus seven yet. I mean, they have two years before the whole thing blows up anyway, where they have to figure right. out a whole new system or agree to continue the one they have or whatever so it's really right. i mean whatever yeah not a big deal i don't 
we don't need to spend really any time on that. Um, all right. I think that about wraps it up then. It's going to be a late one. Should we Should we live watch BYU? Well, you can. I'm not. I know not you, but just. <laughs> Maybe that's something we'll figure out this week. Is I mean, obviously, it's going to be on the TV, and we won't be able to show it. You won't be able to hear the audio. But I don't know. Maybe depending on how the game is going, maybe I'll live watch second half. See what everybody else is doing. I don't know. We'll figure it out. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks to producer extraordinaire Aaron Smith. That's the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail. Right here on BearCatJournal.com.